the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Through the grace of God, we will study from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Is part of Greece, and when St. Paul went there, he was actually pressured to leave uh, abruptly. So he left from Thessalonica and then he went to Athens, but he heard that there was persecution and suffering on the Christian in Thessalonica. And he was concerned very much about the people there. He was concerned because they were recent in their faith, in their belief, and he was uh, concerned lest their faith be shaken. And he tried to visit them more than one time, as he mentioned in chapter 2, but uh, Satan actually hindered him from going there. So in this chapter, St. Paul explained to them that he couldn't endure as a father, as a spiritual father, not knowing their condition, what they are doing during this uh, hardship and persecution. That's why he sent to them Timothy. And when Timothy returned back to Athens, he brought good news to St. Paul about the people in Thessaloniki. And St. Paul actually shared with them his reaction toward these good news that he heard from uh, Timothy. And he concluded this chapter by small prayer for himself and also for the people in Thessaloniki. Actually, we can divide this chapter into three passages. The first passage is about Timothy's visit from verse 1 to 5 and from verse 6 to 11 about uh, the report of St. Timothy after his visit to Thessaloniki. And then the prayer of St. Paul is the last two verses, verse 12 and 13. Let's read together from verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left alone and to be left in Athens alone. And St. Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow liberal in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. St. Paul is telling them that when we knew the news of persecution, we couldn't endure it anymore. We couldn't endure not knowing your condition. We couldn't endure not being with you during this difficult time, supporting you, encouraging you, and establishing you in faith. And he told them that he wanted to visit them more than one time in order to support them, but he couldn't because Satan hindered him. So he said to them, Timothy, for two reasons. 
the first reason to know their faith, to know whether they were shaken or not, and also to support them in their faith during this difficult time. But what does it mean to send the Timothy? Timothy was a disciple of St. Paul, and St. Paul actually relied on him in ministry a lot. So this means St. Paul will be left alone in Athens without the support of Timothy. And as he described Timothy, brother, minister of God, and our fellow liberal in the gospel of Christ. And actually this description uh, shows us how St. Paul was a very humble person. Timothy actually is considered a spiritual son to St. Paul, but he called him our brother, minister of God, and fellow liberal in the gospel of Christ. And St. Paul, when he said, we thought it good to be left alone in Athens, actually as if he is saying, Timothy is a great support to me, but in spite of the need that I need him very, very much, but because my love to you, because I want to support you, that's why I prefer to be left alone in Athens and to send you Timothy. So this statement actually reflects to us the humbleness of St. Paul and also his love toward the Timothy and also toward the Thessalonians because he put them before his need. As we read in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, love doesn't seek its own. Love puts other first. So he put actually the church in Thessaloniki before his own personal needs. That's why he sent to Timothy. And uh, this also verse shows his love to Timothy, how he described him as brother, minister of God, and fellow liberator in the gospel of Christ. St. Paul actually is concerned about their faith. And here I want to make just a quick comment about the teaching or the doctrine that some denominations uh, teach. They teach that once you are saved, you are always saved. And they teach that the believer cannot perish. But if this doctrine is true, then why St. Paul would be concerned about the people in the Sabine? They believe and they accepted the salvation. So why would he be concerned about this? So the fact that St. Paul is concerned about their faith uh, proves to us that this doctrine, once it's saved, always saved, is not true. Is not true. Then St. Paul, in, in, in uh, verse Three said, he said to them, I send you Timothy to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. 
For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent you, I sent to know your faith. In these verses, St. Paul gives us some important teaching and important facts about suffering. He mentioned many, many important facts about suffering. Number one, suffering can shake our faith. When person goes through hard time or through difficult time, many people, their faith can be shaken. And although when we speak about the time of persecution, usually we reflect about the martyrs and how they confessed their faith, but I'm sure you know also that during the difficult time of persecution, many, many people converted and they denied the Christ because they couldn't endure the suffering. So the first fact, suffering can shake our faith. That's why St. Paul was concerned about the people in the seventh. The second fact is suffering can also be a good opportunity to Satan to tempt us. As he said in verse uh, 5, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter, the tempter here is Satan, had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. Usually Satan takes advantage of suffering and tries to convince us that God doesn't love us, God doesn't care about us, and convince us to blame God for this suffering. Usually people, when they suffer, they start to say, why God allowed this? Why, where is God? If God really loves us, where is he? That's what Satan does. Cast doubt on the love of God and that God cares about us during the time of suffering. Also, suffering can make the labor of the servants in vain. As St. Paul said in, in verse 5, uh, lest by some means the tempter has tempted you and our labor might be in vain. So the servants, the apostles, the priests, the clergy may work very, very hard to support the people and to encourage the people, to confirm them in their faith, but because of the suffering, and, and many people may deny Christ, that's why their labor may be in vain. Which means does not bear the expected fruits. And that's why many countries who were all Christian during the time of persecution, we find many people denied Christianity and converted to other religions and other so St. Paul said, suffering can shake the people's faith. Also, suffering can be a good opportunity for Satan to tempt us. Suffering may challenge, may challenge the uh, ministry and the hard work of the uh, servants of Christ. Another point St. Paul mentioned here about suffering that the church should prepare her children for suffering. He told them in verse uh, 4, For in fact we told you before 
when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation, just as it happened, and you know. So, part of the message that the church must deliver is to prepare the people and the believers for suffering. As the Lord said, whoever wants to be my disciple should deny himself, should carry his cross and follow me. There is no Christianity without cross. I'm saying this because many preachers right now, they want to uh, present Christianity without suffering, present Christianity without cross, to make it just a feeling good religion, but uh, uh, feels good religion. But this is not the teaching of the Bible. St. Paul, when he was in Thessaloniki, he told them that we will suffer tribulation, and he prepared them. The fifth fact that St. Paul mentioned about suffering, that we should expect suffering. It is not a strange thing that we suffer. As he said in, in verse 3, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. We are appointed to what? To suffering. We are appointed to suffer and to carry our cross. Many people get surprised when there is persecution or when there is a hardship on the church. And they wonder why this happened. Many people unfortunately believe that good people should not suffer. And all the time they question why bad things happen to good people. Actually the teaching of the Bible is good people will suffer. Uh, if good people should not suffer, then the Lord Jesus Christ shouldn't suffer, because he is the Holy One, he is without sin. But the Lord Jesus Christ actually is our pioneer in carrying the cross and in suffering. So St. Paul made it very, very clear to them, you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. You yourselves know that we are appointed to this. And uh, also, St. Paul said that during suffering, we should be concerned about one another, and we should support one another during the time of suffering and affliction. Why we should be with one another and, and support one another? Because as I told you, during suffering, the faith of the people may be shaken. Satan and the tempter may use this time, take advantage of the time of suffering in order to tempt us. Satan and suffering challenge the work and the ministry of the servants. Because of these reasons, then during the time of suffering, we have to support one another and be concerned with one another. If we see one of our brothers, brethren, is suffering, we should be concerned about him, should be anxious about him, we should support him, surround him, until, you know, the time of suffering uh, passed. Uh, and this is not only the responsibility of one another, but also the responsibility of the church as clergy and as leaders. The church also should establish and encourage her children during the time of suffering. That's why St. Paul sent Timothy 
in order to establish and to confirm the people in their faith during the time of suffering. So, St. Paul mentioned seven important points about suffering. Number one, that during the time of suffering, the faith of many people can be shaken. Number two, Satan may use the time of suffering to tempt us, to cast doubts in our hearts. Number three, suffering may challenge the work and the ministry of the servants. Number four, that the church should prepare her children for suffering. And one of the messages that the church should teach all the time to prepare the people for suffering. Because this is a requirement of discipleship. Number five, uh, we should expect suffering. We shouldn't consider it a strange thing when we suffer. All those who want to live in godliness should suffer, as St. Paul said in his letter to his disciple Timothy. Number six, during the time of suffering, we should be concerned about one another and support one another. And the last point, not only we should be concerned about one another and support one another, but the church has a responsibility as clergy and as leaders to support the people and to establish them in the time of suffering as St. Paul uh, sent Timothy to support the people in the ceremony. St. Paul as a father, he couldn't endure uh, knowing that his people go through this hard time. That's why he sent Timothy. And he mentioned the word we could not endure twice. He mentioned in verse 1, therefore when we could no longer endure it, and also he mentioned again in verse 5, when he said, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. Another point, when St. Paul said our labor might be in vain, St. Paul wants to tell them, your success is my success and your failure is my failure. As he said in chapter 2, who is our joy? and our hope, and our crown of rejoicing. Is it not even you in the uh, presence of our Lord Jesus Christ? Why I am saying this? When St. Paul sent to Timothy, and he didn't go by himself, some people start to doubt the intention of St. Paul, whether he cares about his people or not. And he said, if he cares about us, why he didn't come by himself? Why he sent to Timothy. So St. Paul told them, definitely I care about you, but Satan hindered me, and I, I am longing to see you. I want to see you and to come to you. And don't think that I don't care, because if you, 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 your faith is shaken during the time of suffering, this means my ministry is in vain. Your success is my success because you are our crown of rejoicing. You are our joy. You are our hope in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I sent you Timothy. And Timothy is not just 
a regular servant. He is my brother, he is my fellow worker, and he is also a minister of Christ. That's why St. Paul told them, uh, our labor might be in vain if your faith is uh, shaped. Then from verse 6, St. Paul uh, spoke about the report of St. Timothy when he returned back from uh, Thessalonica. The report of St. Timothy included three things. Number one, a report about their love and their faith. How their love and their faith is strong and was not shaken by the persecution and suffering. The second point, the good remembrance of St. Paul. How the people actually speak very, very good about St. Paul. And they did not listen to those who tried to persuade them that St. Paul doesn't care about them. That's why he sent them Timothy. And the third thing in the report, uh, he mentioned St. Paul, how the people in Thessaloniki uh, desiring and longing and looking forward to see St. Paul in the future, in the soon future. Let's read from verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love. That's the first point. He gives them good news about their faith and their love. And that you always have good remembrance of us. They speak well about St. Paul and his companions, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. So St. Paul is saying, this desire to see is not one way. As you desire to see us in the same way we desire and we are longing also to see you. So, what was St. Paul, Paul's reaction to this report? St. Paul's reaction to this report was very, very actually uh, positive. Number one, he was comforted by the joyful news that he heard from Timothy. St. Paul in Athens was going through a difficult time. But when he heard this news, he became happy and became joyful, even in the midst of distress and in the midst of hardship. As he said to them in verse 7, Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. We were comforted in all our distress and affliction. And here just I want to say, it brings joy to the heart of the spiritual father when he knows that his children are strong and steadfast in their faith. It brings joy and peace and comfort to the heart of our fathers when we know that we are abiding in Christ and we are growing in the grace of God. Many times we only share our problems, our bad news with our spiritual fathers. But when we share with them also our good news, this will bring joy, comfort, even in the midst of distress, even in the midst of 
the affliction and suffering that they go through it. As St. Paul told them, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. The second reaction, St. Paul told them, you are my life. You are my children, my life. So, if your faith is shaken as if I am dying, but if your faith is strong, I will live, even, even in the midst of suffering. That's what he said in verse 8. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. We live. Your steadfastness, when you abide in Christ, this means it is life for me. So St. Paul actually felt alive uh, because of their steadfastness and faith. St. Paul did not give credit to himself. He didn't say, yes, because I was faithful in my ministry, because uh, I, I taught them very, very well the doctrines of Christ, and I prepared them for suffering. That's why they are steadfast during this time of suffering. No. St. Paul actually knew for sure that if there is any success, it is from God. Any success in ministry, in service, it is from God. That's why when he heard this news, actually he poured his heart in thanksgiving uh, on their behalf before God and uh, without giving any credit to himself. He said in verse uh, 9, For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. Many times when our ministry succeeds, actually we give the credit to ourselves. Even if we don't admit it, if we, even if we don't say it, but maybe within our hearts we give credit to ourselves. We say yes because I did this, I did that. But St. Paul, as he said several times, I am nothing. It is the grace of God that's working in me. It is the grace of God that works in me. That's why when we hear good news about our flock, the first thing that we should do, we give thanks to God. Because it is through His grace, His power, that this ministry is succeeding. And not only... He gave thanks to God, but actually he was praying without ceasing, day and night, and exceedingly, that may God actually uh, stop the obstacles that are made by Satan, and they can see them and support them during this time of suffering. That's why he said, night and day praying exceedingly, that we may see your faith and perfect what is lacking in your faith. So the reaction of St. Paul was four things when he heard about this. Number one, he was comforted in the midst of all the suffering and all the affliction that he was going through. Uh, number two, he felt alive. As he said, we will live if you... Uh, uh, if you stand fast in the Lord. Number three, he gave thanks to God 
for the steadfastness in the faith, for the joy that they brought to his heart when he knew that their faith and their love is strong. And number four, he prayed that God may ease his way to go and see them in order to support what is lacking in their faith. What St. Paul meant by perfecting what is lacking in your faith? Timothy told him that their faith is strong. So what's lacking here? I don't think St. Paul was speaking about their faith, which is the virtue of faith. But I think he was speaking about the doctrines of faith. Maybe he didn't teach them, he didn't have an opportunity to teach them about the concept of death in Christianity and afterlife and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why in chapter 4, the uh, next chapter, St. Paul spoke about those who die in Christ and he spoke about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was, uh, he was praying that he may see them in order to perfect, in order to complete the teaching that was lacking because maybe he didn't have opportunity to teach them about the concept of death in, in Christianity and about the parousia, the coming of the Lord. That's why he spoke briefly about these two issues in chapter uh, 4. And he concluded this uh, passage by praying for himself that the Lord may direct his way to them. As he said in chapter 2, Satan hindered him, but he believes that God can direct his way to them. In verse 11 he said, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. He knows that everything is done by the permission of God and by the will of God. So when it is the will of God for St. Paul to go and visit them, that actually will uh, destroy all the obstacles and direct his way to them and he can go visit them and support them and perfect what is left. St. Paul's uh, feeling with the Trinity was so strong. So usually he was not uh, in many, many uh, uh, passages in his letter, he was speaking about the Father, speaking about the Son, speaking about the Holy Spirit. So he was re reacting and interacting with the three hypostases of the Holy uh, uh, Trinity. So in verse 11, actually, he was appealing to the Father and to the Son, to both of them, to direct his way uh, to the Thessalonians. Then the last two verses in this chapter, verse 12 and 13, it is a prayer, St. Paul raised a prayer for the people in Thessaloniki. This prayer has two parts. He prayed for their spiritual growth, and also he prayed that in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be blameless, without blame. Verse 12, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. 
So St. Paul in this verse, he is praying for them to increase and to abound. Increase and abound in what? In love. But this growth cannot happen without God. As the Lord Jesus Christ said, without me you cannot achieve anything. That's why he is praying to God, appealing to God to help them to increase and abound. May the Lord make you increase and abound. If you want to, to grow in your spiritual life, then you need to learn the life of prayer. Because without prayer, without asking God, you cannot grow. And the main area for growth is love. That's why he said, increase and abound in love. As we say, we can summarize the whole Bible in one word, the word love. Because if you think about the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments can be summarized in two commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And actually, that is what all Christianity is about. How to love God and to love the other. And God is love. That's why this is the main area for growth. And St. Paul here made it very clear to, to abound in love to one another and to all. Not only to our brethren or fellow brethren in the church, but to all, to everybody, including even our enemies. That is the true love and the Christian love. To grow in love to everybody. And we have the example of St. Paul, who loved them and was concerned about them. That's why he told them, just as we do to you. So we have the example of St. Paul, uh, how he loved them and put them before his personal need. Although Timothy brought good news about their love and their faith, as we read in verse uh, 6, uh, he brought us good news of your faith and, and love. And actually in chapter 4, St. Paul is telling them, you don't need to tell you more about love because you already love one another. So why St. Paul is uh, encouraged them to increase and abound in love? Because usually there is a room for growth. Love is infinite because God is, is love. That's why nobody can claim that I reach the perfection of love. Every day we need to grow and increase and abound in this virtue, which is the virtue of love. And love is needed all the time, but it's most needed during the time of hardship and suffering. It is through this love that we can stand fast, facing all the hardship and all the suffering, and we can grow uh, without having our faith shaken during this hard then the last verse, he, he also praying, so that he, God, he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. St. Paul is telling them that the Lord Jesus Christ will come to judge the world. And the Lord will come with the saints. Saints here include the angels and the righteous people. So it is very important for us 
in the second coming of Christ to be holy and to be without blame. To be holy and without blame. When we grow in love, our heart will be established, blameless in holiness. Then we become confident that when the Lord Jesus Christ appears in his second coming, we will not be found uh, in blame, but we will found blameless and in holiness. That's why we need to grow in love. Love purifies our heart. Love teaches us how to be without blame. Because when I love my brother, I will not hurt him. I will not uh, injure him. Even if there is a conflict happening between me and him, I will ask forgiveness and I will uh, hasten to reconcile with him. And as St. Augustine said, love God and do whatever you want to do. When we love God, we will never disappoint him. That's why we can be established in holiness and without blame in the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here St. Paul, by this uh, verse, he is preparing their mind to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he will address in chapter I am sure that you agree with me that we are very thankful to God and feel very honored and blessed and proud and inspired for this very high standard or superior standard of biblical exegesis or exposition that Yidna presented to us this night. We ask God to bless his life and his service and keep him for us several years and peaceful times. Now it's time for the few questions that we passed out to you last Sunday. And if you would like to answer, don't be shy. If you'd like to answer, raise your hand. We have two microphones, in, one on each side. Raise your hand, get the microphone, and say your answer. These are in English or Arabic. We'll say the questions in English and in Arabic. So if you have the answer, I'm sure all of you are supposed to have the answer after this uh, sermon of Sayyid. The uh, time of the question, the one who wants to the microphone is going to be able to answer the first question, St. Paul said in Acts 14.24, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Where in this chapter did St. Paul emphasize this same fact? ينبغي أن ندخل ملكية السموات فين نلاقي الحقيقة دي اللي صحتها النهاردة اللي سمعناه وسمعنا شرحه من سيدنا دي easy questions يعني very easy questions who is ready to answer the deacons also can answer سيدنا explain seven points about regulations so can say anything about that hmm 
will answer English and Arabic. You should not be shy to share. العدد الثالث بيقول كي لا يتزعزع احد تطبيقات فانكم انتم تعلمون اننا موضوعون لهذا بالضبط برافو احنا موضوعين للضيق لازم زي ما سيدنا شرح احنا نمر بضيقات والضيق حتاهلنا لمراسل الملكوت. That's very good. Second question what is the name or the title Satan that St. Paul mentioned in this chapter? And where else in the New Testament is this same title mentioned? علمنا بولس رسول الصحدة ذكر اسم أو لقب من القاضي الشيطان في اللقب ده وفين ذكر تاني في العهد الجديد ذكر مرة تانية بس في العهد الجديد. المجرب المجرب مظبوط وذكر فين في العهد الجديد تاني؟ متى؟ متى إيه؟ تجربة على جبل متى أربعة برافو Very good. The third question: How does the chapter show uh, the deep mutual spiritual relationship between Saint Paul and the Thessalonians? زي الصحدة بيدينا الانطباع إن كان في علاقة روحية عميقة وقوية جدا ومتبادلة ما بين معلمنا بولس الرسول وأهل تسالونيك. في البكرفون هنا. العدد الثاني أرسلنا تيموساوس أخانا وخادم الله العمل معنا حتى يثبتكم وعثكم لأجل إيمان دي نقطة مظبوط وليه كمان الإحساس المتبادل بينه وبين شعب تسالونيك How they both are longing to see each other. Like Timothy came back and said how much they wanted to see him. And that, he was saying, I feel the same way. I yeah, he is caring about seeing them, and they would love to see him. Mutual relationship. And also, don't forget about the love. He loved them, and they loved him. His love to them, and their love to him was so clear in this uh, chapter. Very good. Number four. How can you prove from this chapter that St. Paul's whole life were about serving the Lord? His joy, his peace, his comfort, even his troubles was for God's service. زي ما علمنا بولس الرسول يعني نقدر نثبت من الشابتر ده ان حياة بولس الرسول كلها كانت حوالين الخدمة. فرحه من اجل الخدمة، حزنه من اجل الخدمة، تعزياته من اجل الخدمة، سلامه مرتبط بالخدمه ازاي هل كانوا بيقولوا ذس؟ ان ذا فيرس ذات سيز فيرس 8 فور ناو وي ليف اف يو ستاند فاست ان ذا لورد يا هيز لايف كاونتس اور ديبيندز اون ذا ستيك فاست ان ذا لورد ذاتس وان بوينت اوف كورس اف يو كونتينيو ذا اذر فيرسز ذات ذا سيم ثيم ذا لاست كويشن According to this chapter, how can we prepare ourselves to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? Actually, the two epistles of Thessalonians are all about the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, or the parousia. In this chapter, there are some 
points how to prepare our lives and ourselves for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. حاجات تساعدنا في الاستعداد لمجيء المسيح الثاني. الرسالتين دول اصلا موضوعهم الرئيسي عن مجيء المسيح الثاني. بلا لوم مقدسين. Steadfast in faith and blameless. Holy and blameless. What else? Love. Love each other. Not each other and love to all as Sayyidina explained. What else? Hmm? Uh, increase and uh, in prayer, increase and grow in prayer and spiritual relationship with God. Any other ideas? Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, Sayyid. <laughs> ومبيبني <laughs> O Lord, you make us worthy to pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one in Christ Jesus our Lord for thine the kingdom, power, glory. Now, O love of God, the Father, the grace is on the begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, communion and gift of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Go in peace. May the peace of the Lord be with you all.